Hockey Show. With Pat Boyle and Brian Hanley. This is ESPN 1000, Chicago's home for sports. Good morning, everybody. It's the Hockey Show on ESPN 1000 with Brian Hanley. I am Pat Boyle coming to you from the first Midwest Bank studios. You can follow the show at ESPN Hockey Show. You can reach us at 312-332-3776. Tough week for the Hawks, Brian. Wow. I thought I've seen every way you can lose a hockey game. And in three games, they found three different ways to do so. Played well the other night. I mean, I think they're still putting shots on goal. 49 shots on goal, not bad. No goals, but 49 shots on goal. Right. They were up two zip. I mean, score in the first minute, Winnipeg. Everything looks like they're, I mean, they look like a playoff Best game. period, right. maybe, of the season. Absolutely look like, not only can you get to the playoffs, you can win a series or two and who knows what happens. But that third period comes along. And that power play comes along. And that shorthanded goal comes along. And then the whole house collapses. I mean, this is... We were hoping to have clarity this week, and I think we did get clarity, but it's not the clarity I think Hawks fans were looking for. Exactly. I mean, the the, the fact that they had two leads in Winnipeg and Edmonton and lost, like you said, on, on Wednesday in Vancouver, uh, after the Sedins were... Uh, were sent to the rafters. They went out there and, and put 49 that shots on That doesn't sound like an honor. No, I don't <laughs> think it was. to the rafters. Yeah. <laughs> Dave Bolin had their bunk beds for him, and they, they were all ready to go. But no, we're nine days away now from this trade deadline. And like you said, we have some clarity. We had John McDonough on last week, and you know he said that this will be a defining road trip. Well, I think it'll crystallize, Brian, probably before the trade deadline date of the 24th of February. You're probably going to know in the next week or so. And it's a bit of a juggling act because... We have an obligation to the fans, to the city, to try to make the playoffs get in there. And I think getting in is important. It's important for our fans. We never want to take our eye off what is important. We've said this before, winning is paramount in our place. But we have to get back to great, and we have to do it the right way. So there's six points back of the second wild card with a few games in hand. Yeah. But I think, to me, the eye test, I mean, mathematically, they're going to be in this for a while. Right. They're actually still in the 12th spot, as they were last Saturday when we were talking to John McDonough about it. But they did lose a few more points, and three more games came off the schedule. And, um, you know, it's interesting when you hear John say it's important to get to the playoffs, but then he also gives you the caveat that they're trying for great. So they're trying to, to do both things here. And when you see what happened in Minnesota yesterday... Pat, when you look at that, uh, Bill Guerin launched Bruce Boudreau after the Wild had gone seven three and one in their last eleven, they had a three one lead. Does this sound familiar? Uh, but they were at home uh, on Thursday night and they end up losing in a shootout to the Rangers. So again, seven three and one eleven games. Bill Guerin comes in yesterday and launches Bruce Boudreau and says, "You know, we're trying to get to the playoffs here." Now earlier in the week. GM Bill Guerin, former player, former captain, got a little fire inside him, I suppose, uh, made a deal and big picture deal, right? Right. Trading, Jason Zucker. Right. Trade him to Pittsburgh. For futures and for, you know. First trying. round pick. Yep. And their top draft pick from Pittsburgh, or their top defensive uh, prospect 
from Pittsburgh. Right. Uh, and, and he, you know, Garen said it's never about one thing, but he was quick to say the result did matter Thursday night. Right. He's seen enough. I mean, again, he saw 7-3-1 and one in 11 games, but those are the types of games that really eat at a GM. When you're on your home ice, you have the game in hand, you're up a couple goals in the third period, you're fighting to, to get a playoff spot here. And he said, enough's enough, see you later, and, and launches, you know, a longtime coach in Boudreaux. But he also said of the trade earlier in the week, if the players were reacting neg- negatively to that, maybe those aren't the types of players we want on our team. So it's just, it's, it's a personality thing that I think does come from the front office, does come from behind the bench a lot of times. And I'll go back to something uh, that I think Steve Conroy said in the postgame when you were sitting alongside him with Adam after the Boston game. Now, you know, the con- controversy over the, the referee's call and the, you know, did, was it a delay? You know, was it, did they blow the whistle dead prematurely and all that? Play dead, rather. Um, it doesn't matter. But what, what Steve said was he would like to see Jeremy Colleton be more animated, mm-hmm. be more emotional. Even if you, in your heart of hearts, think the referee got it right, you're advocating for your team in the moment, right? Right. And that's not Jeremy Colleton. No, he, it's not. He, he's, you know, he's as smooth as ice. I mean, you don't know if he's having a good day or a bad day or uh, coming off a good game or a bad game. Stan Bowman's similar in, in his demeanor in the front office. I'm not saying everyone has to break sticks and, and kick things and, and scream and jump in, but it just, I wonder if players take that cue from the personalities around them because i i've i heard a collective shrug of the shoulders from some of the players after some of the losses including the vancouver loss that you know we can stew about this for 20 minutes it was a good effort if we have those efforts from here on out we'll be okay but the sense of urgency doesn't seem to come through when i hear the players talk like that well, to to your point about a team taking on the personality of their coach, that's what St. Louis did last year with Craig Berube, and that's sure. why, you know, I think I think that's why you've seen eight coaches get launched this year, including Boudreaux, when his team is on a run and getting back into playoff discussion. I think these GMs and a lot of these guys are former players, like you mentioned, yeah, absolutely, and they feel that uh, that a coach can. Make a difference. He can be worth six points. That is the difference of making the playoffs and sitting home once again. Uh, so that's maybe why we saw so many coaches let go this year because they, you know, you saw what St. Louis did a year ago and and how a hard nosed uh, coach had an impact on a team and the team kind of took on the identity of that coach. Yeah, and, and that and again, it's a short shelf life. It maybe doesn't work over the duration. But from here to the end of the season, I would like to see a little bit more. And in that room in particular, Jonathan Taves, great player, Hall of Fame player, no doubt. Patrick Kane, same. Those guys aren't the guys, at least outwardly, you would be surprised if behind closed doors they take on a different personality and are getting in guys' ears, you know, throwing something in the room, getting some attention. I know Brent Seabrook has been celebrated for his leadership skills over the years, the players just absolutely uh, testified to what, what kind of a guy he is and how he keeps the team going in the right direction. Well, obviously, he's hurt. He's got multiple surgeries he's recovering from. But I don't see that guy necessarily, and such a young team in so many respects, I don't see that, uh, that guy on the ice, and I don't think I see that guy, or I'd be surprised if, to find out that guy's in the room. And again, it's an intangible. You know, If they don't fix the power play, this stuff doesn't matter. If they don't have, play a full 60 minutes, more often than not, this stuff doesn't matter. 
But it does matter when you talk to hockey people that if you don't have one or two or th- those three guys in the room, it's an uphill battle to, to kind of instill the right way about going about things. And, you know, Taves talks about how we have to bring our A game and all that. But he, I don't know. When I look at the young guys in particular, I'm trying to identify the keepers, right? When Jonathan Taves is taking his, his final shift and Pat Kane years from now, but who are the, the, some of these younger guys, 19, 20, 21-year-old guys, if the, your core guys, who are going to be that type of player, not only a good player on the ice or a great player on the ice, but also that leader in the room? And that's where this team is at. It's a crossroads. We, we know what, what Taves and Kane can do in crunch time. They've proven it time and again. As far as the leadership, I, I think right now Robin Leonard's the new voice in that room. Which is, in, I mean, it's which interesting because, yeah. you know, he's not even starting every night. Right. I think Duncan Keith, since he returned from injury, I think he has taken a, a more assertive approach as far as setting the tone that, that may be gone with Brent Seabrook being on the shelf. As far as your reaction to Taves the other night, they did not open up that locker room for 20 minutes afterwards. I think they had a come to Jesus in there after that you know, 49-shot performance where they were held without a goal and their third straight loss on this trip. And I, I have a feeling uh, some choice words were said, and, and by the time they let the the media in, I felt like they had kind of like said talking points. Right. Because, because it they, seemed they all, very... They were all parroting the same message. It, it seemed very... Uh, if we do this canned. each night, we'll be okay. Right. right. If we bring this effort, we'll be okay. And yeah, we're not happy with the result, but we'll be okay. I think the come to Jesus meeting should have happened after Winnipeg. And I know it's the first game on the trip. And, you know, I don't know if it's an overreaction, but you should overreact to something like that. That That is the worst loss of the season, in my mind. I mean, completely. Yeah, I mean, there's there's been a couple. There was a, a three-goal lead against St. Louis in the third period that they let slip away. But, the, you know, to your point, I, I think the when we look at this season, the biggest issue with this team is the power play. No doubt. Right now, they are last in the National Hockey League uh, at 14.3%. That is the difference between making the playoffs and not. It was a difference in the Winnipeg game. You have a 2 nothing lead. You go on the man advantage. At worst, you're going to be up two zip when that's the two right. minutes is up. No, 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 no that's, that wasn't the case. You know, to bring it with a costly turnover, that's one of the guys you said we're trying to identify if he's going to be a leader of the future. He's had a horrible, I mean, horrible by his, by his standards, 41 goals last year, a great rookie year the, the previous year. He's had a bad year. Yeah. He's well, been very inconsistent. Yeah. Since December, he's, he's been more than trending the wrong way. So, you look, you look at this power play for the month of February, six games, they're one for 21. You're not going to win games in this league where parity is, is prevalent and special teams is making such a difference, whether it's the PK and the penalty kill's been great for this team. Yeah, they're 10th, absolutely no problem. They're 10th in yeah. the league. The problem is the power play, and that would have been the last thing, Brian, I would have thought would have been the biggest issue with this team because last year... They had a top 10 power play for much of the season, and all those guys came back. And we talked about it last Saturday. You brought up the point that, okay, with, uh, do you put Gustafson up on the on the point and start? Well, we saw that Sunday because Bachvist was still out, right? Right, exactly. So, and he had an error that led to the loss. But in the big picture, if you're not dealing him by next a week from Monday... Would you rather see more of him on the power play, even if everyone's healthy, because you think in the long term he's going to be the answer and the solution 
to that power play. So you go with the growing pains. If you basically say, okay, you know, it, it, we're trying to get to the playoffs, but we're also going down the stretch here try to identify the guys who are going to get us to a better spot next year. Yeah, I mean, that, that is player development versus productivity and trying to get to the playoffs. I mean, right. it's, it's a certainly an interesting question uh, that we can talk about. Uh, what do you think the biggest issues are with this team right now? Are they, in your mind, uh, still able to make the playoffs? Or do you think this three-game losing skid on this road trip pretty much sealed their fate? And if that is the case, what would you like to see Stan Bowman do before the trade deadline, which is just nine days away? You can reach us at 312-332-3776. Follow the show at ESPN Hockey Show. Coming up a little bit later on, Eddie Olchek will join the program as well. It's all coming up on the Hockey Show on ESPN 1000. This is ESPN 1000, the Hockey Show. Stream ESPN 1000 easily on the all-new ESPN Chicago app. It's the Hockey Show on ESPN 1000 with Brian Hanley. I am Pat Boyle. You can follow the show at ESPN Hockey Show. Give us a call at 312-332-3776. So on Wednesday night in Vancouver, we had uh, we had some controversy. It looked like the Hawks got on the board first. They had an odd man rush. It looked like Kane had scored, uh, but they ruled that Saad was in the crease. Well, let's listen to the play and then discuss it after. The Hawks try to start back. Here's an odd man opportunity. Kane's got it. Saad to the net. Kane shoots one. Save by Marks. A rebound. He scores. Patrick is going to be no goal. Saad wound up in the blue paint. They're going to call goalie interference, I think. But Saad may have a beef that he was put into the net minder. Patrick Kane made a heck of a play in his own zone to create this chance. Brandon Saad has to make every attempt to avoid contact with the goaltender. Is he allowed to play position? Horvat was there. Saad put on the brakes once he got to the blue paint. Eric Furlan is the man who made the call. Immediately signaling no goal. Like the Hawks may be challenging, so they have gone to the headsets. Yes. And uh, the decision has been made. So it remains scoreless here in Vancouver. And then Vancouver went on the man advantage because when you challenge, and uh, it's an ill-fated challenge, the opposition goes on the power play. So then you put Vancouver and their seventh-ranked power play, who at that point had not generated much offense at all, and you put your penalty kill unit, which has been really good this year, they end up scoring on it, and, well, that ended up being the story of the game. Did you have any issue with the challenge? Yes, in just this respect, that to me it wasn't obvious. Yeah, I mean, Look, I get that he didn't plow into to the goaltender and it was obvious. But the fact of the matter is, as you said, it's a scoreless game, right? It's right. still relatively early in the game. You're generating power or chances and scoring opportunities. I know your margin of error in every game and every point is, is you know, so sacred right now that you're probably in, in your heart of hearts compelled to challenge that. But because the penalty is, now maybe you have such faith in your, your PK, you think, okay, we can withstand it, or you really believe that they were going to overturn the call. But I just think at that point, because the penalty is so onerous in terms of giving the opposition a man advantage, 
that that you really have to regard that. Look, we we're talking about this upstairs and a timeout in football. Okay, yeah, you'd love to have them, but it's not exactly putting them at uh, in the red zone, right? Right. So I, I I did, but I can see where if Jeremy Carlton's trying to fight. Here I am saying he's got to av- advocate for his players. Well, that's another way of doing so, right? By actually saying. I think we were wronged here. Let's go to the video, and then you found out you you know they're going to stand by their call, and you're on the you're on the PK. Yeah, right. And when the 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 call on the ice is no goal, it's it's probably easier to find evidence. Oh, sure. In yeah. the replay that supports that, had the call been good goal, I think you could have made a case because you see Horvat with his elbow and sod side leading him in. So like when the when the uh, NHL put out the. What what they uh, their Al Riveron type statement of what happened? Right, they said that he went into the crease on on his own, which well, I, was yeah. not true at all. No. But again, you can see things certain ways when the call on the ice is made that way, and, and you know you're looking for support to support the officials' call. So it was it was huge. Uh, but this team is too right now reliant on Patrick Kane. Kane only has one goal. Over his last 15 games, which is hard to believe. I mean, he's been racking up points. This season, there's only been, so they played 57 games. There's only been 13 games, Ryan, where Kane has not scored. 13 out of the 57. But of those 13, they've only won one of them. Yeah, that tells you all you need to know. He goes, they go, right? Right. And right now, the power play's not not going, which Kane usually gets a, a good chunk of his points on that. He's had inconsistent line mates. He's had Kirby Doc. He's had Carpenter as his center. I mean, with all due respect to Carpenter, a nice guy to have on your team, but he's a bottom six center. Right, and you're putting him up there with your top guy. Right. And and you think if Kane's getting the attention, someone's got to start benefiting from that and showing up on the score sheet. And we talked about DeBrinket, who hasn't been good even strength since December. It's, I mean, again, it's such a thin margin of error, but... That's why I got frustrated after the game in Vancouver where, well, if we have that effort, we'll be okay. We'll stew about this for 20 minutes and then we'll move on. And I get the mindset, but someone's got to be you know, ticked off. Right. Someone's got to be ticked off that three games this week, you found ways to lose games, three different ways. And you played great stretches of hockey in, 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 in most of those games, or all three of those games, arguably. And then you reverted back to the team that's put yourself in this position where you're on the outside looking in, and all you did was lose points this week. Let's hear from Jeremy Carlton uh, along the lines of what you were saying. He doesn't feel like he has uh, much to adjust. The team is very close. There hasn't been that much work to do from my standpoint because I feel like they, they're in a good spot. So just uh, reminding them that they're right to feel that way. Obviously, we needed to get more points over the stretch of five games than we have. Um, we just haven't been consistent enough, but uh, we can't do much about that now. It's about there's a lot of games left, and uh, we got to start with two points tomorrow. They'll be in uh, Calgary tonight. They'll be in Winnipeg tomorrow. And I mean, do you look at it like all right, six points out, four teams to leap? Yeah, they're still in this thing, or? Did this week kind of seal the fate, and you're like, let let's start let's start moving some assets, well, and let's try to get this team back on track next year. If I'm the front office, I think I have to be looking at the, at the latter that this is who we are, and we're just not consistent enough to to get this job done. And the six points would be uh, hill enough to to climb, but the four teams that's in it. front of you that and a week went off the calendar, 
and you're still sitting there with four teams in front of you. That's the problem. And so Ben Pope in the Sun-Times, who, who's doing a terrific job covering this team, and I think he's the only one on the road now uh, since uh, hats off to Jimmy Greenfield, by the way. Yes. Longtime hockey guy for the Chicago Tribune who's, like many of the uh, people at the Tribune, decided to take the buyout offered by the paper. And uh, so he's leaving the paper, obviously leaving the, the beat for the Tribune. But we'll see where he ends up. But Ben Pope is doing a terrific job. And today, when you start seeing the beat guys starting to talk about, okay, a week out from the trade deadline, here's two ways you go. You can either help the team in, in the short term and try to, to get a veteran guy, a rental player, to, to boost your playoff opportunities or chances. Or do you start trading away assets or draft picks and prospects with the idea that we're just not good enough this year? I, w- I would start moving assets to uh, to gain draft picks or players that are going to be a part of the equation going forward. And I would start with Eric Gustafson. Uh, last year had 60 points, one of six defensemen to do that. He is a lefty shot, can play both sides, and he can quarterback a power play. I think he's, he's worth uh, a good amount on the open market. I think, obviously, they're, they're probably not going to re-sign him. Right. He, he's got $1.2 million cap hit. What is, is he a $5 million player next year? Um, Three, four, it, somewhere you know, there? It depends on how good his agent is as right. far as uh, is he using this year's stats or last year's. And interesting that his agent, uh, Peter Wallen, said they've had no negotiations with the front office. Right. Not even a, a hint of talk about how, how do we move forward here and start, you know, what, what are you looking for? Give us some ballparks so we know if we're, we even have something to discuss in terms of a long-term or an ex- extension. Here. And I think that's played on Gustafson this year. I think that pressure of knowing that uh, uh, every point that he registered is, is almost like a dollar sign that, that would work in his favor. And then the fact, and you brought it up in our first segment, with Adam Boquist being out there and trying to develop him as the future quarterback of your power play, that took the minutes away from Gustafson. Right. So uh, that was, you know, uh, production versus trying to get player development. And they went the player development route, which I don't disagree. That's why we're seeing Kirby Doc at times center Patrick Kane's line. Is he truly ready for that? Probably not. A third-line center role, would, but they want to see him in every situation sure. with more minutes. Give him the, every opportunity and the quality minutes to be on that line and to see if you can accelerate, accelerate that pro- progression of what you have here exactly. So, I mean, I would move Eric Gustafson. I would the, – the goaltending situation is obviously the strength of this team right now. Both are UFAs at the end of the year. They have already had – preliminary discussions with Robin Leonard's agent. You would assume Leonard said it two weeks ago, I'm not going to take a discount. So he's already said that, you know, to me, he said, I'm going to be an eight to nine and a half million dollar a year goalie. Now, does that fit in Stan Bowman's situation? Does he, does he look at, at a 28 year old who's a Vesna trophy finals last year who was great this year, seeing a lot more high-danger chances than he did a year ago, does he see that as the long-term fix? If that is the case, and if that money and the parameters that they kind of talked about fit into his structure, then I approach Corey Crawford. And I say, you know, Corey, we love you. Thank you for the two cups. But we're not, we can't we're, go five, six, seven million We're not going to insult you, right. you know, next year and offer you you know, 1.8, and that's all we can really do. 
because we can't afford to spend more than $11 million at this position like we did this year. So, you know, work with us. You've got a modified no-trade clause. Let's let's pick a few teams and we'll go earn some money. You'll you'll earn at 35 if you take a team a round or two on your back. That's going to put money in your that's bank. That's going to put money and and let's work together. I mean, that's that's the type of thing I, I would consider. Let's hear what Tom from Mount Prospect has to say. He joins the hockey show on ESPN 1000. Good morning, Tom. Hey, what's going on, Pat? Brian, how you guys doing? Hey, Tom. Excellent. What so, do you here's the, so here's my thing, man. Uh, I, I see this team, and they're, they're a small team, I think, in general. They're a slow team. I don't think Dylan Strom. I love the kid. I think I love his, his love for the city, but I just think he... He hurts you down the middle. They don't defend the middle of the ice well enough because their speed is lacking. They attack on the perimeter. They don't have big guys in front of the net who are fearless to be in front of the net. The guy, the one guy who is fearless to be in front of the net, Shaw, is, is injured. He may never come back. He's had so many concussions. I think they need some size. I know Kirby Doc's one step in the right direction, but I think they need a lot more size. They need to be able to project fear in the other teams. And I just think that when teams play them, they're not afraid of them anymore. Great point, Tom. I, I think there's a lot to chew on there. Thanks for the phone call, Tom. Uh, to start with speed. I do think they lack speed, yes. especially the blue liners. And you'll see that when they're down in a game and they they try to get their blue liners to uh, ignite the offense and a guy will pinch and the other D-man has to cover for him, you'll see time and again, odd man rushes the other way where the Hawks defenseman cannot catch up to the forwards on the other side at all. Yeah, no doubt about it. And as far as the size goes, Tom's right. I mean, you know, Shaw's not the biggest guy in the world. The heart's there. He's got the the heart the size of uh, Big Buff, but he doesn't have the body the size of Big Buff. And it will be interesting and telling to see how this concussion plays out with Andrew Shaw as well. And yeah, size and speed, two things you need in hockey usually. If you got a question, uh, Eddie Olchek is going to join us. Uh, you can uh, give us a call at 312-332-3776 or on Twitter at ESPN Hockey Show. You can also uh, tweet at me, at BoyleNBCS. Eddie Olchek joins us next on the Hockey Show on ESPN 1000. Chicago's home for sports. Now, by your side, through your smart speaker. Just tell it to play ESPN 1000. This is Chicago's home for sports. ESPN 1000. CP's everywhere. Free and post. His own hockey show now on ESPN 1000 with Brian Handley. Good to have Brian back on the airwaves back in Chicago on the radio. Oh, great. Every Saturday morning at 9 a.m. I know uh, Team President CEO John McDonough was on their maiden voyage last week. Good luck to those guys. And, uh, to get some rest, PB. Eddie Olchek telling me to get some rest. This guy's got 17 gigs. But nice shout-out from Edzo for the, the hockey show the other night on NBC Sports Chicago. He's appreciate the, that. Yeah, he's the best. And he joins us now from uh, the Air Force Academy of all places. He's getting ready for tonight's stadium series on NBC, Kings and Avalanche. Edzo, how you doing this morning? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Good morning, sir. <laughs> salute to you, sir. <laughs> hey, boys, congratulations. Uh, sincere uh, 
best of luck and uh, great uh, for uh, ESPN 1000 to uh, get our great hockey fans and Blackhawk fans uh, an opportunity to uh, talk pucks on a Saturday morning. So I appreciate you guys having me on today. I appreciate it. Well, Edzo, there's uh, there's numerous ways to lose a hockey game or win a hockey game. Yeah, and in yeah. three games, yeah. I don't think I've seen three in a row like that before, where yeah. you you know you've dominated or yeah. you, you know, it, it, everything went. That could go wrong, did go wrong, including 49 shots on goal and no goals. Yeah, I mean, you're going to have those games, Brian. I mean, you know this game, PB. Uh, I mean, look, the, the Hawks have had games. Uh, Pat and I made reference of it during the game the other night where, you know, look, the Hawks got some points earlier in the year when they probably shouldn't have because of the goaltending, right? And that's what these guys get the big bucks for. I mean, Markstrom is... I mean, he's proven to be, and look, there's a lot of people think he's a Vezina candidate, and for people that might not know, that's given to the best goaltender in the National Hockey League, the Vezina Trophy. So um, you're, you're going to have games like that, and then you're going to have games where everything you throw at the net you know, goes to the back of the net, and then, you know, and then everybody zeroes in how great the offense is and what have you, but then when the offense doesn't score, uh, people always go, well, it's the goalie, it's the goalie. Like, sometimes you got to... You know, it just kind of evens out over the course of the year. I, I really believe that because, look, in my opinion, and, and in my you know long history and being in the league, whether playing, coaching, or broadcasting, you're going to have 20 games where you're lights out and you're going to win. Now, the Hawks were lights out the other night and they didn't. I mean, that's you know that's against the norm. But you're going to have those 20 games where you're lights out and you're just going to be better than everybody else. And oh, by the way, the Blackhawks have Patrick Kane, so you know you're going to you're going to win those games for sure. There's those other 20 games where you got nothing. The schedule doesn't play in your favor. Uh, you got injuries, uh, you know, whatever it is. You, you know, you're in the middle of uh, a tough stretch. You just, it's not going to be there. What separates teams that get in and, and, and are not are those other 40 games, those other 42 games. You know, what do you make of them when the game is in limbo? Uh, you know, a goaltender is overly hot. Um, you know, your specialty teams can they, you know can they win you? I, I believe specialty teams can win you over the course of a season. I think I think that they can be in the difference of probably twenty five to thirty games a year. Wow, that's my opinion. So when you look at it, I mean, you're looking at almost forty percent of the schedule when you start talking about thirty games. And if your power play can you win you ten? eight or ten, and then your penalty killing. Look, the Blackhawks' penalty killing, I know it's gone a little sideways here the last couple of games, but it's inevitable because they were on a run as well as any team in the National Hockey League. So I know there's a lot there, but look, you're going to have games like that, and you got to find a way. you got to find a way to put a puck in the back of the net. And, you know, could they add... Could they had maybe more people, you know, opportunities to get to the front of it? Yeah, you can always pick. But I thought it was a pretty damn good game by the by the Hawks. Unfortunately, a goaltender beat them. So, Enzo, do you blame the power play? I mean, look, it, it we're fifty seven, eight games into this season. They're dead last. Yeah. At fourteen yeah. percent. I mean, do you, do you look at the power play as the biggest issue or the reason why they're not in a playoff spot right now? No, I think there's a couple of more things than just power play but look that that to me is unacceptable the power play that's and we talked about it all year i mean you, you talk about it in a pre and post uh, a lot pb so look the other night like I'll, I'll go back from the the last power play in edmonton and then the power play chances they had in vancouver look if they continue to stay with that unit to stay
stay with the rotation that they have and the schematics that they have right now, they're going to score. They had at least eight to ten scoring chances on the power play the other night uh, in Vancouver. So is a power play guy and having gone on power plays and hope and wishing, you know, and going to the referee, whether it was, you know, Don, uh, you know, uh, Donnie Koharski or Andy Van Helm and say, we, we'd like to decline this if we could, like, can, can we decline? Um, but, you know, sometimes it just goes that way. Uh, and then there's other times where you go out there and you know, you're going to score. I think they're on the verge of scoring. Uh, and hopefully make a difference. And look, they need it tonight because look, they're eight points out of the first wild card now. Uh, getting in the top three spots in the division, it, I think that ship has sailed. I mean, you're going to need a colossal fall from those three teams: St. Louis, Colorado, Dallas. I don't see that happening. You're eight points back out of the first wild card, and in my opinion, you still got eight teams that are vying for the last wild card spot. So it's uh, the time is now. I mean, every game is a must, but the only thing that they can control is tonight in Calgary. You've been on the ice, been behind the bench, you've certainly been in the room all those years, Edzo. Can you give the Hawks fans a sense of the pulse of this team? Again, uh, Pat and I were talking about this earlier in the show. Uh, they, they kept the doors closed to the room uh, for 20 minutes or so after Vancouver. They all came out and pretty much said the same thing. Yeah. You know, if we have this effort every night moving forward, we'll right. be fine. And, right. okay, that'll be great. But is it frustration? I, as a Hawks fan, I wanted to hear more ticked off from them uh, mm-hmm. just because of the way the week has gone. But right. you, that's not the personality of Jonathan Taves. It's not the personality no. of Patrick Kane. Uh, Jeremy Colleton is, is about as even keel as they come and. I, I mean, I don't know if I'm reading too much into it, but I, as a Hawks fan, you want to hear, you know, enough of this. And don't just tell me about a sense of urgency. Show it to me. Yeah, well, I think that, you know, you go back and, you know, you go back a couple of months and I think you saw some guys with some outbursts and stuff. And I think that they had shown their frustration outward fashion, Brian, um, you know, a couple of months ago and, and with the way the team had been playing. But look, the way that they played, like I said, the way they played the other night, uh, yeah, you, you, you look at, that's what you say. Now, have they been able to put five, six, ten games like that over the course of the season? And I guarantee you, you're going to win 70% of those games. Well, you look at where they are, and then you, the, the numbers will tell you, the analytics will tell you, no, they haven't been able to go on a so-called run like that. They had a really good run, what, maybe eight, nine, ten games ago when they had Anaheim, Ottawa, Montreal, Detroit, I mean, they had a stretch of those games where they went on a, you know, went on a roll. They beat Toronto. Um, so, you know, look, the, the closed door part and, and whatever, I think it's just one of those games where that, let me try to say this the right way. A game like that, for me, with the success that this franchise has had, the team of the decade, um, in, in falling on tough, you know, tough times here, unacceptable times has been the word that they've used the last couple of years. When you play a game like that and you lose it, you're probably, you're probably, you know, you're probably even more frustrated. Yeah, it gets and, in your head, I would imagine. It, well, yeah, because look, you, you come off a game in Edmonton where you dominate for, you know, the, the start 
I mean, you get you get dominated early, and then you take it to Edmonton, and then all of a sudden you're playing catch up, and then you have chances you're not able to to get it done. Winnipeg, you come out, you dominate them in the first period. It wasn't even close. And all of a sudden, the second period, Winnipeg turned it on, and then the Hawks were chasing. So I think finding that consistency is probably the most frustrating part. And me talking to a lot of the guys, and the core guys I'm talking about, because that's the you know that's the frustrating part. Look, they're they're not used to this now. Unfortunately, they've been used to this the last handful of se- couple of seasons because you see where they've been and not being able to get back to where they want to get to. So the closed door meeting, I think it's just one of those. Look, yeah, you're right. We we play like this. We're going to win the majority of our games. But the question is, is can they do it consistently at the most important time of year? And look, you, you got you got to start putting points in the bank because also too. You got the trade deadline a week yep. from Monday, so then you know what does what management, what does ownership, what does Stan Bowman, you know, think about it and, and do? And you got guys with contracts expiring, so there's a lot playing into it. So they got to find a way to get two points against the team. And Calgary's starting to play a little bit better here the last little while, even though they've got some injuries. Eddie Olchek joins us on the Corona Hotline on the Hockey Show on ESPN 1000. All right, put your GM hat on here. We're up against the clock a bit, but we're nine days away from that trade deadline. Would you be would you look yourself in the mirror and say, you know what, we're 12th, we got the last ranked power play, mm-hmm. we really haven't been in the playoff mix, I've got some assets, if, if, my, if my true goal is to get this team back into championship form, there's some things I can do between now and the deadline to, to get some assets and try to be in a better position, uh, big picture next year. Would you be a seller right now before the deadline? Well, I know what I would do, but I'm I'm very low on a totem pole, so nobody really <laughs> nobody cares what I think. But I would say this is that if you can get on a run here and give yourselves and be within an arm's reach, the the Western Conference. Let me just say this: be, again, besides St. Louis and Colorado, it's wide open. They have the goaltending. I believe that they have the goaltending. But in saying that. Are you just, you know, are you just putting off the inevitable, knowing that at some point here, father time is going to catch up, and you have to use the assets that you have when they have the most value to turn this to turn this thing back around, where you know this team is going to be a hundred point team, and they got a chance to win and win for a long time. And look, they did it. And right now, that's right now they're going through a difficult time. So it'd be really interesting. Look, I, I think the I think the decision becomes easy. If you are eight, ten points out of a wild card spot, that, that's just my opinion. I, I think then, you know, you, you have assets, you got guys with contracts expiring. Uh, but again, you know, this team, the leadership at the top with, with Rocky and with John and Jay and all the way down, um, they've always done right by the team and by the fan base. And they will do that regardless of what that decision is. And uh, it's not easy. You know, look at we, we've been spoiled. We've been spoiled no the last handful of years. And, you know, last couple have been very frustrating and be interesting to see what happens here moving forward. But uh, if, you, if you don't start winning games, I think it makes it, in my opinion, it makes it pretty easy for the general manager and his staff to, uh, you know, to make that decision. 
Edsel, thank you for joining us. Thanks for the shout-out for the show the other night on the broadcast, and uh, good luck at uh, the Air Force Academy for yeah, the stadium yeah, series. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, looking forward to Avs and uh, Kings tonight, and uh, then I'll get back to my room and check out the Hawks and in Flames. And, yeah, for that shout-out, you know, we got a little hockey and horse racing reference in there, so all is good from that maiden voyage, so I'm glad to be a part of your there's second a, uh, start. I there's a $2 it. double ticket with your name on it next time I see you. Just <laughs> added a zero there, Brian. Just added a zero to it, okay? I'm only part-time. All right, boys. Thanks, Enzo. Eddie Olchek joining us on the Corona Hotline on the Hockey Show on ESPN 1000. So, are you with uh, Are you with Edzo? You still going to see what happens here the last two games of this trip before you decide whether or not you're going to be a buyer or seller? Give us a call, 312-332-3776. It's the Hockey Show on ESPN 1000. You're listening, listening to the Hockey Show. Show. Blackhawks fans, you have a new home to talk hockey. Call us or tweet your comments to at ESPN 1000. The Hockey Show. This is ESPN 1000, Chicago's home for sports. I mean, they're kind of in the same situation as, situation as us. Desperate team. Um, they, they got some good players who, you know, they feel they obviously had a great season last year. They don't want to be out uh, the mix either, so... Hopefully we can control the play like we did last game, force them to defend, uh, keep their offensive guys uh, out of our zone, and uh, you know, win, win the special teams battle as well. That's a big thing. Uh, if that can start to, you know, we can come out on the right side of that, we'll be in a much better position. Two desperate hockey teams tonight in Calgary as the Flames and Hawks will go at it. Nine o'clock face-off on NBC Sports Chicago. We got the pregame. Adam Burris joins me at eight thirty for that. Uh, Matthew Kachuk, Johnny Goudreau. Calgary's in the seven spot right now, but as, as Enzo pointed out, Brian, it, it's pretty tight. They're in that tight. group of eight teams trying to hang on. They're trying to hang on to their spot while four or five teams are trying to climb their way up there. Yeah, so they're. Technically seventh, but they're tied with Vegas in points and also Edmonton. So it sounds simple when when you hear Jeremy Carlton say that. Here's what we have to do. Here's three or four things we do. That will be okay. Okay. So if these if they win these two, if they win tonight and win tomorrow in uh, Winnipeg, are you changing your thought process about how you attack the trade deadline, or have you already made your mind up? I've made my mind up, but if you're the front office and they go ahead and win the next two three games before the. Uh, Make a little run here, like they did previous to to their struggles here. Now that really, now it's really convoluted, right? Right. Now, which team is it, or is that the team? You're just going to be, you know, win a few, lose a few, and at the end of the uh, at the end of the exercise, you're going to be right on the bubble yet again. So, but you don't have that luxury. You've got basically nine days here to figure it out. Um, the, almost the worst thing they can do is go on a little bit of a run here, right? Yeah. And, and make everyone really scratch their heads and try to figure out. Because, again, I mean, who doesn't want to have playoffs at the United Center, right? Uh, they certainly want it. And it's been two years in a row that they haven't had it. And as you heard Edzo allude to, you know, other than St. Louis and Colorado, I'd also put Dallas in that mix. I think Dallas is a really good team. Uh, it is wide open in the West. And if you do get in the dance uh, you can make some noise, especially with those two goaltenders. But you also, in those two goaltenders, have two big assets that could garner you a first-round pick, and you're going to say goodbye to one of them anyway. So this is the tough thing, looking in the mirror, being honest with yourself. Do we really have a legit shot at, A, just making the playoffs or making a deep run? Or should we really look big picture here and say, you know what? 
we just can't cut it right now. We need to turn some of these assets into draft picks. And if you are trying to give the team a boost in the short term and make a legit run here at the playoffs before the trade deadline, and you want to make a move or two to certainly improve the power play, one of the names that Ben Pope uh, put out there today in the Sun-Times was Mikhail Backlund. And it sounds great, you know, a low-cost type of uh, move you can make to help quarterback the, uh, the power play. Problem is, he's on Nashville. Now, yeah. how, how much are the Predators going to be sitting there willing to help you out uh, when they're, they're in the same situation? Uh, how, you know, how often do you see a deal like that made? And you're not going to overpay for a guy like that, given the, the inconsistency of your team. So you have to look in the Eastern Conference, and then the price goes up when you start looking at some of the obvious guys. Yeah, I mean, you can look. I, I, to me, they need help down the middle. I think they need another centerman. Right. Um, I think they probably need a, a top 4D, but I think you could probably point to 20 teams in the league that say they need a top 4D. Uh, the quarterback of the power play wouldn't be my top priority right now. I think they've got two viable options in Boquist and Gustafson, and it depends on if you decide to move Gustafson. I mean, that to me would be. That, that'd probably be the first guy that's on the trading block if I'm Stan Bowman. Yeah, I mean, given his age, given his contract situation, he's the obvious guy. And uh, given the fact that his agent said they haven't even talked to the Hawks about an extension here, m- might tell you all you need to know at this point. The other, there, a couple other names that I, uh, only Mata I would consider if, if people wanted to bolster their blue line and add some depth on defense, I would consider moving Olimata, who I think has been great in a in a third pairing role for, also the, for the Hawks, also like right out of central casting. If you're casting a hockey movie, he pretty right? pretty yeah. much is yeah. right. Yeah. And then I'll throw one more name at you. Right now, rentals are not um, top priority for GMs. They like players that have one year left on their deal. Brandon Sod fits that. Brandon Sod has one year de- one year left after this year at six million dollars. Playing very well. Do you consider selling high? I mean, he's a he's a two way player who has won a couple of cups. He's been in right place at the right time when he came aboard here with the Blackhawks. You know, playing with some future Hall of Famers and Taves and Hosa. Uh, it's a little different when he is looked to be as the scoring machine on that. He's been he's been good as a winger with with Kane this year. Yeah, no doubt. But then that tells everyone right that we're we're bigger picture here. We're we're. Even next year might not be a given that you're going to be back in the postseason. We're trading for futures when you trade a guy like Saad. So big couple games tonight and tomorrow night will define whether or not they're in the playoff mix and whether they're a buyer or seller. Uh, Brian, that's going to do it for this edition of the Hockey Show. What do you have coming up next with Freddie? Oh, we've got lots to talk about. Certainly NBA All-Star talk in town. Uh, The Bulls are getting a little heat from the fans. And uh, lots of baseball talk. Houston trying to clean up. What's left of the cheating scandal? They don't want to use the word cheating, no. but everyone else is responding to it. I'm sure Rob Manfred has thought this would move on by the time spring training started. Well, he was uh, incorrect on that. But we have lots of Cubs and Sox talk. Jesse will join us, so uh, he's in Arizona, bring us up to speed. I'm Chris Bryant, and all things baseball here in Chicago. Freddie and Brian will take you through the rest of the morning. Coming up next on ESPN 1000. That's it for the hockey show on ESPN 1000. Our thanks to producer extraordinaire Eric Ostrowski. Thank you for listening as well. And we'll catch you next Saturday on the hockey show.